Welcome to the Ready, Set, Transform podcast, where you have a seat at the table with CEOs, industry leaders, and tech experts. The topic, business transformation. No sales pitches or marketing talk, just real stories from companies of all sizes and industries. You'll hear business executives' inside view of their company's transformation journey. They'll share examples and concepts that can help you and your business thrive. Get unique perspectives on how leading companies tackle the biggest challenges facing businesses today. Ready, Set, Transform is brought to you by Rise with SAP. Welcome to Ready, Set, Transform, presented by Rise with SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here, and have we got a really interesting show for you. We're going to use a car metaphor you're all familiar with for the title of this show, Looking Under the Hood. But what are we looking at? The Intelligent Enterprise. I picked a couple of movie quotes I thought would be interesting to introduce the topic. Then I'll give you a little more about what we're looking for, and then I will have my three esteemed guests introduce themselves. So, buzz number one. I have a quote from Dr. Raymond Stans, Ph.D., played by Dan Aykroyd. Oh, my goodness, you all know the movie Ghostbusters. Here it is. Everybody can relax. I found the car. Need some suspension work and shocks, brakes, brake pads, lining, steering box, transmission rear end. And somebody asked them what did it cost, and that was the end of the scene. We won't go there. That's from 1984. Can you believe we're still talking about that? Second quote, Natalie Cook, played by Cameron Diaz. Tech whiz, scientific Private investigator, martial arts experts, what couldn't she do? Charlie's Angels 2000. And here's the quote. Hey, Chad, does this thing go any faster? We're kind of in a hurry, and I could really open her up if you want me to drive. So there are my two movie quotes. And now, talking about cars, when we look under the hood, we're looking at everything. The oil, the water, the transmission fluid, the brake fluid, the battery, the belts, the hoses. Today, we're looking at the intelligent enterprise. What's under the hood? Well, we're looking for the core processes. We're looking for data sources and data integration. We're looking for the pace and the level of innovation. Very important to keep innovating. We're looking at the smart adoption and implementation of the latest technologies. I didn't say disruptive technologies anymore because a lot of them have been around for a while. And we're looking for the execution of company-wide change management. You have to bring people on board. So how do you determine if your business under the hood is roadworthy? Forgive the metaphor continuing here. Well, is your business resilient? Is it profitable? Is it sustainable? Then you could be a truly intelligent enterprise. I am having the privilege of seeing my guests here on Zoom. So if I refer to looking at them, that's what we're talking about. But you're all going to be hearing this on audio on Voice America, radio on the business channel. So I'm going to just say your name and I want you to just wave for the video, please. David Robinson, welcome. How are you, David? There he is. Okay, he'll be introducing himself in a minute. Philip Herzig. Nice to see you, Philip. You haven't been on a radio show with me in half a dozen years. I'm so happy to finally see you. We did it all on the phone back in the day. And we have Phil Lowen with us. And Phil, hello. And we're going to ask them for their take on the next generation intelligent enterprise. How can your company arrive there safely and happily? So welcome to another episode of Ready, Set, Transform, presented by Rise with SAP. Bonnie D in the house. Let's go around the table and get some introductions here. David Robinson, I'm putting you on video full speaker view. Would you do me the honor, please, of introducing yourself and telling us what your passion is for this topic? David, introduce yourself. Certainly. Uh, thank you, Bonnie. And thank you for, for uh, spending some time or letting us spend some time with you today. Uh, my name is David Robinson. I'm with SAP. I work uh, in our customer success organization. Um, I've been working for many years with um, very large enterprises, very small companies, startups, and mature companies. And currently leading our efforts to transition our legacy customer base uh, <clears throat> into the cloud. Thank you very much. How did you like my metaphor about looking under the hood and the parts of the car and what the enterprise needs to be to, to really be intelligent? Was I right on the money there or did I miss miss some car parts there, David? Just a quick critique. What do you think? Sure. No, I, I think it's actually a really important kind of uh, way to think about the intelligent enterprise because I think what we've learned, you know, as cars have evolved, right? You can easily get under the hood with with a car from many, many decades ago and figure out what all the parts are. There's been so much advance like consolidation, simplification. These are almost spaceships now under the hood. And uh, if you've popped the hood of the Tesla, uh, it looks very different from a, from a Lincoln Continental uh, back in the 70s. So 
I, I think you're spot on. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of similarities to how enterprises are, are using new tools and simplifying how, you know, what's under their hood. Thank you very much. I appreciate it when a guest agrees with me. I appreciate that. Philip Herzig, happy to see you finally after all these years. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself? Philip, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So first of all, thanks again also for having me here. But uh, yeah, I'm passionate about this topic as we are looking how we actually do this under the hood. So how do we, what, what at the end of the day, David needs to really bring to the customers, how do we engineer it under the hood in a way, also a bit differently as we did in the past, so that we really make this from a technical architecture perspective. You mentioned data, right? You've mentioned user experience. You've mentioned our business processes. Uh, and we can, I think we can touch on, on that in a, in a minute, but exactly how we architect this, how we, how we, how we build this, right? It really to, you know, to enable this intelligent enterprise suite, this the suite of applications so that I, I typically assume the, the, the enterprises out there are already intelligent, but based on our, our technologies and the way we bring our applications together, how we bring companies actually together and make them more intelligent or more sustainable by, by this integration, that, that, is a, that is a major concern. And that also needs different ways of looking at integration, looking at cloud engineering and so on. And my background, this is why I'm very passionate about this. I have a PhD in computer science, specifically distributed systems and well, this is why I'm, I'm happy to driving this topic forward. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I have a couple of degrees in computer science, but probably way before you got yours. So, <laughs> Philip, I'm considered an early woman in tech because I was what they used to call a programmer analyst. I analyzed the systems, wrote the code, brought, put together all the JCL. And this was in, oh my goodness, don't be upset, everybody. It was in the days of key punching before we had terminals to enter the code. So I would hand write over the weekend and then key punch in and carry the box of the whole earth 80 column cards. And and then, yes, it was very cool. And when I was a student, we were putting the disc packs in the drives, but we had to stand up on a step stool. The disc pack was this big with a handle. Here I am in a business suit with a skirt with high heels stepping up on a stool to drop the disc pack in. So you can imagine. So, yes, computer degrees, I'm, I'm very honored to be in your company today. Thank you very much, Philip Lowen. Phil, I'm calling you. We have a Philip and a Phil. We're going to keep those separate. So, Phil, it's your turn. Please tell us, who are you? What's your role? What's your excitement for this topic? Go ahead. Well, thanks for having me, Bonnie, and, and also thanks for my colleagues being here, Philip and, and David. Um, so yeah, my, my, my journey goes actually a, l- a little bit further back when I, when I started in, uh, in high school and then went on to college. I had no clue what the, he- what the heck I wanted to do, what, where I wanted to go. The only thing I knew was computers is going to be the thing. And, um, I mean, back then, uh, transitioning from high school to college was going from analog to digital, uh, back in the, uh, in the late nineties. Um, and, and when looking at that transition and looking how often I had to rethink and reengage and, and, uh, refoster that, uh, that environment, I looked at all of the topics, um, that, that have followed me. So I've done, um, technology consulting from about 2000 to, uh, about 2013, uh, pretty much everything between 2000, and 2010 that SAP built, I have installed somewhere over the world. Um, and uh, as such, then shifted into uh, um, IT strategy, uh, shifted from consulting into uh, larger SIs, uh, then down to startups. And then back in 2018, um, someone basically called me out and said, we need to fix customer facing messaging. Can you can you come and help us fix that? And that's how I ended up at SAP. And then about uh, um, a year and a half ago, a year ago, um, I started in Thomas Sauer's Essex area where I met uh, Philip and uh, started my journey with him to uh, basically to drive uh, cross product strategy and uh, pro- cross product management. Thank you very much, Phil. You've seen a lot of changes. I'm going to say this in the relatively few years you've been in the field. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Compared to me, that's a few years. So you've changed jobs. You've changed focus. You've changed approaches. You probably have changed and morphed <clears throat> your, skills, your skill sets as well as each new opportunity came up. So thank you for sharing that. Gentlemen, now that we got to know you, let's find out what some of your favorite quotes are and what in the world these quotes have to do with our topic today. David Robinson, 
went way back in time. He picked a quote from Casablanca, 1942. I can guarantee nobody here was born then. I can tell you that for sure. An American romantic comedy film, I'm sorry, a drama, silly me, a drama, Captain Louis Renault. That's Renault, like the car. David, how could you pick a quote from a guy whose character name is the same as a car? Renault. I'm sorry, I just realized that. He's a supporting antagonist, later protagonist of the film portrayed by the iconic actor Claude Rains, long gone. Let me, if anybody doesn't know what Casablanca is, go look it up. Here is the quote. It's five little words, and I can't wait to hear what David says. Round up the usual suspects. David, what does this have to do with the intelligent enterprise in the hood? Go ahead. Uh, well, first of all, uh, doesn't that fit nicely with your under the hood metaphor, huh? Beautiful. So, yeah, exactly. The Renault. Yeah, you know, I've I always get a chuckle uh, when I when I you know hear that line or when I see him deliver that line in in the film. Um, you know, it, it's it kind of the reason I kind of brought it into this conversation is it kind of reflects on a lot of the enterprises that you know that I engage with, where there's a real separation between those that actually are able to execute and look at true transformation, and those that just want to go through the motions, right? And it is it is kind of a tongue in cheek for those that have seen the film. He has a couple of um, very disingenuous uh, statements like that. Um, but really looking at what customers really need to do to take advantage of the capabilities currently available and to a degree disrupt themselves, challenge some <laughs> of the legacy thinking and to do things differently so that they're able to differentiate. And, um, I, you know, you know I, I think a lot of companies that are successful don't just go through the motions. They really incorporate that as a key part of, of their uh, transformation strategy. So that, that's where I kind of, I don't know if it's too much of a stretch, but trying to connect the dots from being authentic, going through the motions, and truly trying to change the outcome uh, for for yourself and for your enterprise. Thank you very much. And when you said they need to disrupt themselves, what an interesting perspective. We don't talk about companies disrupting themselves. We talk about starting trying to disrupt the disruption that's happening to them, right? It's an outside in. And you're saying you need to disrupt them. And the usual suspects could be all the people who were stuck in the old ways, who were siloed, who aren't talking to each other, who aren't adapting, who aren't going through change management. Am I right, David? You are correct. We all know the usual suspects and we all know what it's like just to kind of do the same thing over and over and go through the motions. And, you know, what really, again, what separates those that are able to take advantage and apply the technology and really differentiate and and be an intelligent enterprise, it's really those that don't just, uh, you know, accept the status quo, but they challenge it and they do things differently. They think differently, act differently, and they challenge themselves differently. Very important for our conversation. Thank you very much. Philip Herzig, I'm looking at your quote. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words. It's still a short quote. I still like it because of that. I'll tell you, this is something from Commander Spock, played by Leonard Nimoy, also an iconic actor. And what a role. I have the exact time of the exact episode he said it in, Philip. So give me a second here. Star Trek, season three, episode 15. He's, he's surprised. The episode, I, I know all this. I just know it by heart, Philip. My kids, <laughs> my kids were watching Star Trek when I was having dinner with them. The title of the episode is Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, and the year was 1969. So here is the quote Philip is going to explain to us. Change is the essential process of all existence. I didn't do it Spock-like, but you can do that for me. <laughs> Philip, how'd you find this one, for goodness sake? Go ahead. No, look, I mean, <laughs> first of all, I, 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 I took it because you told me it needs to be a movie, <laughs> movie one, and I, and I was looking for one, to be quite honest, uh, that, that, is, that is coming out of a, out of a science fiction uh, movie, so that was kind of the, there's also the kind of corresponding Einstein quote, right, that, uh, that actually it's the intelligent who, that, that, that is always the one who changes, right? Um, so the basis for this, why I took it, it's 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 so critical, and David already touched on this a little bit. Is change is omnipresent, right? This is uh, the, we have so many 
uh, uh, challenges in the society that businesses need to adapt to, challenges all over the place. Companies need to strive on the one hand side for business continuity, but need to adapt the, adapt quickly to new market conditions in the current environment. And specifically, the pandemic has shown us which business models have been resilient, right, or even have flourished during the crisis, as opposed to others, right, who are who were just let's say where the where the disruption I would say has just accelerated. Just, just accelerate. I mean, we, we knew already it was there, the disruption, right? But without the pandemic, it would have gone much slower. And, and, and right. And, and now with the pandemic, some certain industries have just the, the disruption was like, was really like oil into the fire that it was already maybe a small fire. And it's ongoing. And I think uh, to David call it to disrupt themselves, right? The, the key question is how can I really adapt and also my business models, right? How can I leverage latest technologies such as in the cloud uh, with, for example, creating new channels in retail, for example, right? If my current store business is disrupted uh, due to lockdowns, for example, how can I quickly uh, enable online channels, for example, to still serve my customers uh, as, I, as I did before? So this, this is just a very simple example. Um, and this is something that, uh, yeah, specifically when we look at the intelligent enterprise and the software SAP creates, we take exactly those changes into account and, and try to build the right business processes that, that take these changes into account from the very beginning. And, and, and by this enable also the, the faster change of companies to, to enable and, and provide these new business models to their markets, to their customers, to their employees, uh, and in, in, in all the various, in all the various aspects. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And I'm thinking of the car metaphor, Philip, forgive me, but I'm thinking that changing business models in the early beginning 2020, March, April, May, June of 2020, companies were trying to change business models. And sometimes they had to round up the usual suspects who said, no, we're not going to do that because we don't know what's next. But if you think about a car taking off the brake and letting it roll a little bit, saying, what are we, well, we're, we're making whiskey. Well, maybe we're making hand sanitizer now. Maybe we're doing something else. Maybe we need to try things out. So there had to be the importance of change, uh-huh. change management, adoption, acceptance, and just <laughs> holding on, putting your seatbelt on, basically, and seeing how it turned out. Thank you. I really appreciate the quote and the conversation. Phil Lowen has sent us a quote from, oh, my goodness, Top Gun. A little more recent from all the movies we've cited so far. 1986 American action drama film. The character is Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell, played by the one, the only Tom Cruise. He is a young naval aviator aboard the aircraft carrier. How interesting. USS Enterprise. Phil, you knew that when you picked the quote. USS Enterprise. Wow. Wow. You gentlemen did really a great job on picking your quotes here. Anyway, here is the quote. You have to explain this one. Sorry, Goose. But it's time to buzz the tower. I know you're very proud of this quote. Phil, help me out. What does this have to do with our topic? USS Enterprise. Go ahead. Well, um, to, to, to be very uh, open and honest about it, when, uh, when I got this call around um, coming to interact with SAP, it was around, well, we've, we've done a lot of stuff with our communities. We, um, we looked at a lot of stuff. We need to change some stuff. Um, but, but someone who's always... Uh, been open, honest, and direct with his feedback is Phil. So why don't we ask him if he can interact with us? And and the commentary then was, please come help fix our customer-facing messaging. Call out some of the BS that's being put out in the in the uh, in the world, and um, also help us understand and, and frame into context where the customer actually understands what we give them. And as such, buzzing the tower for me is also a little bit of a wake-up call. Like, guys, it's time to to rethink, to restructure, not to uh, to constantly just evolve an existing schema, but also to think about new stuff and to rethink on uh, old paradigms on how they need to shift, how they need to evolve, how they need to change. I mean, um, when when you look at uh, things like Gartner's pace layered architecture, uh, the thing was invented somewhere around 2013. Some companies are still using it. Some companies actually got to the point where they're evolving it to the next level. Uh, that And that continuous improvement, that continuous cy- cy- uh, cycle of evolving uh, um, with a mindset as well as with our technologies. That's sort of what that calls into uh, perspective for me. 
Thank you very much. I'm going to do something I don't think I've done in a long time. I'm going to combine all three quotes, and I think we have a very strong statement here. So round up the usual suspects. Change is the essential process of all existence. Sorry, Goose, but it's time to buzz the tower. What do you think? Do we have a nice little scenario there, a nice little scene? I have to tell our listeners, my guests, hopefully, I believe, did this all independently. They didn't sit down and say, let's pick three really cool, iconic movie quotes, and let's see Bonnie put them all together. But it just happened that way, and that's how we embrace change and opportunity. There you go. I made a lesson out of that. Let's go to our former (coughs) roundtable part of the show right now. I'm going to pick a statement from, you all sent me very interesting discussion statements. I'm picking one from David Robinson. You're first in my lineup, David. I'm going to read this and ask you to unpack it. We're pretending we're a news show. Now, unpack the news. Take about three minutes to tell us how it relates to our topic, Looking Under the Hood, The Intelligent Enterprise. And then I'm going to ask your two co-panelists to agree or disagree. Philip Herzig, you're sitting next to David on this part. And don't be afraid to disagree with David. He told me it's okay. He's having a really good day. (laughs) Phil, you get to talk to both of them, agree or disagree with either or both. So, you know, don't go out and get the car oil and grease. You got to stick around and listen to this. going to be good. David said the following in his statement number two, which is where I want to take us. Companies have different starting points and various levels of existing technical debt. Their constraints and opportunities are shaped by their industries, their geography, and their size. Great starting point. David, you're up. Certainly. Well, thank you. Um, you know, what's, what's interesting is we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time talking to, to companies, to enterprises, and we talk a lot about the benefits, you know, the top 10% of enterprises that are uh, intelligent uh, actually grow at multiples of the, the rest of their peer group. So there's definitely no shortage of acknowledgement that everyone wants to be an intelligent enterprise. The real challenge, though, is talking with companies about how to get started. And what I, what I try to you know, help a lot of companies understand is that really what, where to get started depends on where they are and where they've come from. What industry are they in? Are they in high tech? Are they in a, are they in a consumer facing industry? Are they in a, a business to business industry? Are they in a high tech manufacturing environment or are they in a healthcare regulated environment? So that is a considerable um, uh, piece of constraint and opportunity in terms of prioritizing how to get started, where to get started and how much, uh, customization versus standardization exists within their current landscapes. Uh, we talk a lot about, there's a lot of use of the word technical debt, this idea of technical debt. No one wants technical debt. No one starts a project saying, I want to end uh, this project with a tremendous amount of customizations and technical debt. So the question is, how does that happen? How do companies over time seem to accumulate that Knowing that, it makes it harder and harder for them to become innovative or to extend innovation. And I think the key is it's, it's the how you want to differentiate versus how do you want to standardize. Um, so really looking at industries, looking at the geography, are you a global organization or are you a regionally focused organization? And of course, size matters. Um, smaller organizations, smaller companies, uh, they can be more agile uh, but that also means uh, that there's a lot more uh, complexity for them to figure out how do they want to lay the investments around being an intelligent enterprise and are they making the right bets versus much larger organizations that may have deeper pools of resources and uh, deeper pools of investment. So really talking to companies about what are your goals, what industry are you in can shape how you want to prioritize where to get started. And to always think about the standardization balanced with differentiation. And you can have both at the same time, as long as you're at a clean digital core. And as you introduce innovation or differentiation, you do so in a way that, in a way that protects that digital core, but still allows you to experience agility. That ultimately is how you become an, an, an intelligent enterprise and lay the foundation Uh, for being an intelligent enterprise. Thank you. Time to buzz the tower. Let's go over and buzz. (laughs) I I love the quotes. Philip, 
What do you think? Agree or disagree? Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Philip Herzog. No, no, no. Right. Look, I mean, in, in general, we never. That, that, that is why the setup is is is, a, is is not well suited for that because we never disagree with with David for sure. But <laughs> the, look, the thing is, um, I disagree on one thing, right? I mean, we have to. I mean, in, in general, technical debt per se is not a bad thing, and I'm saying this as an engineer, right? Because technical <clears throat> debt, kind of in a like financial debt is not per se a bad thing, right? Uh, if if it's if it's well if it's healthy from a ratio, right, in your in your equity mix, right? Financial debt can leverage certain investments, right? Uh, but if you for sure if you have to pay interests like hell on that, right, and that pulls you back, then for sure if this is if this is an, in a wrong ratio, so to speak, then for sure if the debt eats eats you up, then it's a big problem. So this is why companies need to partially pay it back. Right, the debt, so that they can actually move faster again and 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 embrace the change uh, from that perspective. The tricky thing is, and this is also where the car metaphor actually uh, suffers a bit. The problem is typically, if I want to get into a new car, right? What you do if you want? I mean, if I want to get rid of my old Chevy, right, and want to get into a new Tesla, what do I do, right? I get off the old Chevy and I get into a new Tesla. But what companies need to do is, while driving the Chevy, they need to unmount the old combustion engine while driving on the highway they need to bring in the new electric motor so to speak right and make this all at the same time and this is why it's so in, so challenging for companies doing that right because the business needs to run at the end of the day yes. uh, and and you can only do this stepwise while the business needs to continue with a Car, you can stop. You can have a rest. You can go to a car dealer. All, all easy, right? But that—that that is what what makes it uh, this this transformation so challenging. And then for sure, if you then inside your car, you kind of did a lot of customizations and modifications, right? And the nitro burner that you did in order to impress your friends, uh, then then this is for sure a, a problem, right? If you want to go to an electrical vehicle. Thank you very much. We've got some stop signs, some yield signs. We've got detour signs. Okay, you have to keep it running. Very good point there. Phil Lowe and come in. Now you have you have what David said, agree or disagree, and you also have what Philip said. There's a lot to talk about. Phil, you're up. Thank you. Well, I, I agree on most statements from from both both parties. And I mean, what, what Philip explained, that that need for speed uh, and that changeability that cost, uh, that companies need to have, it's it's um, size in part matters. How agile can you become in order to shift certain things? The smaller you are, certain things might be easier. One part that uh, um, I would add to David's perspective um, around industries, geography, and size is also a competitive landscape. And and here the part on technical debt as well as uh, transformation and change management uh, come in massively. If I'm in an, in the comfortable seat of not having a pretty massive competitive landscape, I also don't have that immediate need for a massive change and transition. Now the the other part that I definitely would like to touch on, um, and it, it's always that topic of. Becoming an intelligent enterprise, being an intelligent enterprise, where are you at? Um, and all of our customers have some sort of intelligence within them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be making money. Let's make it very simple. So are they intelligent, an intelligent enterprise? Maybe. Uh, the question is, what's their maturity level? And the maturity level here is the the actual part. So if I um, if I look at it from a, from a behavior perspective, speed, agility, curiosity, caution, um, how fast, how intensely, how easily can I upscale to the next level of intelligence in order to be ready for those no next set of tasks that lie ahead? So that allows me uh, to, to, to put it in a gamer's mindset or in an innovator's mindset, uh, the ability to act every situation arising with the necessary behavior, speed, agility, curiosity, as well as caution, so that I get my best desired outcome. So I need to understand how, what environment am I in? How often do I have to test stuff, to interact with stuff until that, that one time opportunity comes where I need to play my best and, and manage to make, to make the game. Thank you. I, I want to, David, I'm going to give you a, a brief chance to talk back to both of them. I love the, uh, provocativeness. I won't say the challenges, but the provocativeness. But what's interesting is that I'm listening to the three of you speak, and I'm thinking if I were in the audience and this show is heard all over the world, I would be saying, 
you know something? I've already learned a lot from these three experts. I've learned the importance of change management. I've learned the importance of being flexible and agile. It's not just buzzwords. It's real. I have to keep my company going. I have to figure out what business model is going to work. But how mature am I? Who are the suspects? What's going on inside the company? Are we able to embrace change? What does the market need? We have have given them so much to think about already. And on that note, we're going to continue on. David, briefly from you, and then I've got a a statement teed up from Philip next. So, David, what do you think? Well, I I really like uh, really like some of the thought that uh, that Philip laid out for us there. Um, Just around technical debt, it's not all bad, right? And so the real question, and I fully agree with that. I think it was actually a really really kind of good kind of reflection on 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 the overall kind of discussion. But it's also important to understand how do you sift through and identify the good things around which technical debt is good or which process opportunities are maybe available to me. So there is an additional element of complexity that I think a lot of companies also need to be aware of, which is how do you collect and interpret signal, opportunity signal? Where are there opportunities to differentiate where are there opportunities to maybe incur additional technical debt versus innovation extensibility? And how do you make sure that you're continually listening to your enterprise and incorporating that, that feedback into your strategic planning on where do you want to go next? Where do you innovate next? Where do you direct technical investment next? That is the feedback loop that I think is really, really important for the most uh, intelligent enterprises. It's not enough to be agile. It's being agile and being very, very prescriptive on where you want to apply your next uh, focus and investment of innovation. Thank you very much. Great part of the Looks conversation. Looks like Phil, Phil disagrees with me, though, I think. I think Phil, Phil, Phil might have. Phil? And, and not, Phil not, dis- not, not disagree. I, I, I agree the way, uh, the way David placed it. I mean, coming, coming back to that whole narrative around cars uh, and, and the innovations there. I mean, if you, if you look at um, running and navigating your business on uh, in the old days and today, in the old days, when we drove a car, we had a map that you had to unfold and you always saw that segment that was relevant for you. You never had the entire layout. When you look at cars today, uh, the intelligence infusion that you've had allows you to have a navigation system that now tells you, well, you've got three choices. You've got a fast route, you've got an economical route, and you've got a short route. So how do I want to play that out from a, from a business model innovation perspective, from a sustainability perspective, or from an operational excellence perspective, and what's my budget? And, and those are those key criteria that, that David was also referencing to, to, to properly understand where am I at, how am I interpreting my markets, my signals, my dependencies that I need to address. And we have the scenic route. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying, what is he going to talk about the scenery? Remember Bobby, no, one, yes. no one wants to take the scenic route to innovation. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Okay. All right. I was thinking of the car. No, no, I, I'm driving. No one's a, looking for the Sunday drive to innovation. <laughs> I'm driving a computer on wheels now. And I remember when it was my sports car, the last one, and I could really feel it. Now it's, oh my God, so many choices, so many opportunities, so many options. I'm driving a computer and there's four wheels underneath. But that's a whole other show. Philip Herzig. And David, thank you for that great conversation starter. We obviously appreciated that very much. Philip, I'm looking at your statement number one. Let's get into a couple more of our topics about looking under the hood for the intelligent enterprise. You say integration is the foundation for innovation. Instead of approaching innovation as a mandatory task, companies should focus on the business value that is enabled through it. So let's talk integration. Philip, go ahead. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, absolutely. That, that, that is basically if we, we had a lot of quotes already. Um, it's basically to, to add another one uh, to Aristotle. He always said, right, the sum is bigger than the individual parts. Right. And that is what integration is all about, because if, if we can and it, this applies to many things. Right. Typically, the past was always, OK, I have a bunch of software systems, a couple of, 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 of software licenses. How do I bring them together? Right. Uh, and it was rather a tedious task and so on. And for sure, it sometimes still is. But the, the, the key thing is uh, we, by bringing the, these things together, we can do so much more across lines of business. <coughs> but what I even see more now as we are looking towards the network, for example, with asset intelligence networks, logistics network, supplier network, and, and, and more things, we enable completely new business processes at the end of the day that, for, for example, 
uh, came uh, very transparent through the pandemic, for example. I'll give you one example of what you can do today in an SAP system. It's a very simple one. Typically, today, you had your master data of suppliers, and it was a more or less rigid, uh, finite list of suppliers that, that you have, right? And then you do your material resource planning and production, right? And how many materials of a certain kind do you need in order to manufacture it? a certain good, right, that you want to deliver as a company. And if you then found a certain shortage, for example, or you wanted to have one material a little bit earlier and so on, right, then it was still paper-based phone calls, uh, whatever. Uh, and, and for sure, you always were limited to the suppliers with whom you had somehow a, a contract with. Today, a company can just uh, directly, somebody working in production can say, hey, I want to need this material earlier, or I need five pieces of that material more put it on the supplier network and, and somebody from, 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 from all around the world can say, I can provide you that material uh, so that you can continue your pro production. It doesn't have to be necessarily the standard suppliers. That you have. Yes, it might have a premium price yeah, uh, <coughs> as opposed to your standard suppliers with, with whom you have uh, specific contracts with. But th these are a few things that are enabled through that. And then, and that is actually then the next step that we're doing. Now we are kind of more creating more transparency through the network of companies. So we're not talking about integration within a company only, but really integration between companies. And if you then think about everything we want to do around sustainability, I think SAP has all the right things to do to connect companies to solve our massive global climate challenge. Actually, because if you think about something like greenhouse gas protocol, for example, where you need to assess the economic footprint uh, of your suppliers, which requires to assess those of the suppliers of the suppliers and so on, right? And trace it down to really the, the raw materials uh, from the beginning of the, of the supply chain. Um, you can actually co compute end-to-end -end, uh, the, the real carbon footprint, for example, that a certain good that is delivered by your company really has. And then also select suppliers based on who is actually uh, having a, a, a more sustainable transportation or a more sustainable uh, planting procedure or better other suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. And this is a, a huge opportunity that can not only, from my perspective, help companies to accelerate and transform their business processes, but actually at the end of the day, help to change the world. Thank you very much. Great topic. Let's go around the table. Phil Lowen, you happen to be sitting next to Philip this time. So take two minutes. I want to make sure we get some more topics in. Phil, what do you think? I mean, it's it's a very it's a very candid topic, and uh, the whole topic around sustainability, as as uh, Philip has talked about, we we do have a very good stake there. And I mean, we started out as early as two thousand. Oh my God! Now I got to think back. I think two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, when we first looked at uh, things like carbon footprint. Uh, when we looked at the first things of what can we do in that space? How can we evolve? So we've always been a pioneer that looked at how can we not only change and adapt to environments, but also how can we drive progress, and that. Um, that understanding and that framing uh, um, for being a driver in innovation um, that requires you to understand everything that you've got under the hood. I mean, uh, as, as Philip pointed out before, if you if you put NAS in a car uh, and you have no clue how to hook up the hoses, uh, it's going to explode, not make you faster. So that that driver around uh, uh, integration is a sound understanding of. What does your architecture look like? What are the integration pieces that you need to properly solidify and, and baseline in order to build on a strong foundation? And if that strong foundation isn't there, then we've got a bigger problem than uh, uh, trying to think about innovation. Thank you very much, David Robinson. Comments, please? Certainly. Um, I, like, I like the Aristotle quote. I, I think that, um, you know, in it, in it Enterprise cannot really be intelligent if it's operating silos, right? Um, if you compartmentalize information, you're not able to ever get the big picture. I think we all know that. I think what's interesting is if you take that to a further step, the moment you're able to apply this idea of integration to cloud, what cloud does is it allows for integration to be taken to another level of um, of uh, participation from multiple systems parties, other types of processes some, suddenly become much more available. And so what, what I believe is that the power of 
integration and how integration delivers this end result of these intelligent enterprises. Yes, that, that is very, very true. I think what we're seeing, though, is that when you apply the intelligent enterprise into a cloud architecture, that that's just a multiple effect of the power of integration to bring together not just your enterprise, but your enterprise with other enterprises. And that network effect is something that we're starting to see very quickly reshape our industry, as well as every other industry. Thank you, David. Philip, great conversation started this part of the show. Anything you'd like to say back to your two co-panelists, Philip Herzig? Unmute, please. Philip? Oh, yeah, that's the mute button. Every show needs the (laughs) mute button, so here we go. Uh, That was cute. (laughs) um, No, look, I mean, we talk about the network effect, right, of integration and so on, but I think it's not only the the business processes that can be integrated, right, to to do so much more. It's also so much more that that companies can do when it comes, for example, to user experience or data, right? Uh, We all talk about, okay, what data is the new oil? We're still talking about this phrase, right? As we are integrating more and more data, for example, from multiple sources within the company, but also beyond the company to gain more insights, to to apply machine learning to this massive amount of data, to gain insights like never before, for example, right? Things that we, we we are heavily working on together with our customers to make them actually really more intelligent by crawling through massive amounts of data uh, that, that no human being can actually process in a, in a lifetime, for example, but also talking about user experience. Look, how much are we using mobile today? Yeah, uh, for, for example, in the private life. I mean, I'm not sure, Bonnie, how often you or David, right? But it's a, it's a constant thing you do. How often do you do it in the workplace, quite honestly? And, and mail and office does not count. I mean, in terms of transportation management in a warehouse, right? Uh, in if you are an accounts payable, receivable, somebody, right? In, in the back office and so on. Uh, really getting notified, not saying, oh, I need to look something up in the system, right? But the system tells me by a push notification, hey, there's something new. There's a fraudulent item. Look over here. Here's something interesting or, or something is interesting over there or your supplier just texted you over the network. You should uh, immediately react. And by this, right, it decrease the lead times in the business process, right? These are all the things that keep us busy when we're talking about integration, not just on the process level, but also on the UX, UI level, on the on the data level. I think these are important things also to consider uh, when 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 we talk about intelligent enterprises and how we how we transform businesses within, but also across. Thank you very much. There's so many levels we could be taking integration to, and perhaps that's another show next year. Philip, thank you for that. I want to squeeze in. We got a few minutes left here. I want to squeeze in some topics. Phil Lowen. We talk about you should do this and companies should do that and you should, but we sometimes don't define the you. We don't talk about the people part. And I have combined your two discussion statements you sent me, number one and number two, talk about people. So let's do this briefly. We've got about eight minutes left to finish the show. I want to make sure we dive into this. You say people expect business software to work as simply as the app on their phone. Oh my goodness, which is why our thinking needs to shift from software products to business capabilities and personas. That's first statement. Number two, we always need to remember that software is built for people. And as such, the UX, that's what Philip was talking about, needs to be front and center in how we build the software. Phil, take us through this. And are you going to be we're going to be shaming companies and not doing this? For, I'm sorry. I'm not no, I'm not going to be shaming companies. It's uh it's about changing the way we work. I mean, we we saw this with uh, when, when we look at um, transformation and being able to work remotely. Everybody for years has said, "Oh yeah, no, we can't do this. It's going to take a lot of effort." And then suddenly, Corona happened, and overnight, uh, I want to say at least forty percent of the companies that said they couldn't did it. So, and as such, with that with that change of how. Our, our work life changed and how um, how we are interacting with business applications, we need to also refocus. It's not about just dumping products onto a table and saying, here, pick the stuff that you need. But it's under it's about understanding what are the things that you uh, want you as an employee need to do. And this is what what basically outlines the intelligent enterprise. How do I provide the right business capabilities to an employee so that he or she can properly just address all of the different tasks that uh, is on, on their task list and just work them down and and be very smart and pragmatic about it and not lose time on, 
well, wait, wait a second. Where do I need to go again? Which link was that? Where was that? Where did I put that? Oh my God, my browser history is gone. My links are not there. My, my computer is not responding in the right way. Can I do this on my phone? Well, maybe I can just, I can just approve my uh, employee that just ordered his car or that just ordered a new laptop. Can I approve that from my phone? That should be possible. And so from, from that perspective, from that narrative, transitioning and, and listen, listening to in detail what our users, our employees, our workers want, how they interact, understanding their needs in context, and then being able to act faster with the software they produce because it's concentric to their user environment and to their work uh, uh, capabilities that are needed. That's that's sort of what it comes down to. Thank you very much, David Robinson. Love to get your thoughts. What do you think? I think uh, just to kind of build a bit on what, what Phil said, um, we, we talk a lot. We all have experience uh, using our phones, and we know the value of kind of a simplified experience or a delightful experience uh, that a lot of these devices have brought us as consumers. I think, though, that to some degree, um, we also have to manage some expectations because a lot of these large organizations they are complex, right? A lot of these business processes are complex and there is complexity in managing, not, not technology, just the business, business activities. You have, to, you have to be able to balance a lot of things at the same time. And so what you, what, what you have to really think about is how do you ensure that technology is not, is, is not amplifying the complexity, but it's allowing you to be an enabler of simplifying those processes, automating processes that can be automated, and allowing you to understand how does a user need to interact with an enterprise and make that the focal point of your user experience. So I don't think it's as easy as, hey, we just make everything mobile or we just make everything delightful. I know there's value in the user experience, but I think we also have to think about the underlying processes, the more they are standardized. And the more that you focus on the business outcome um, and automate and manage people involvement with the process, um, I think that is a more realistic way to look at how to, how to you know, bring your employees, bring your customers, bring people uh, into your intelligent enterprise. Thank you very much. Important points. Philip Herzig, you get the final word on what Phil just said. Go ahead. <laughs> I still want to reiterate how important the user experience is, especially also since there are just, I think what, at Bonnie, you started with how computer science looked and when was it? The 80s? Never mind. Never, never. Oh, you're, you're flat. You're <laughs> and, flat. And we'll, you know, we'll go with that. We'll, we'll go with we it. Were, and, and, you know, I've started with Commodore 64. And, you know, we, we based on this, we accepted a lot of things. Right, oh, yeah. because we were happy with little things, right, on how we yeah. moved forward. It was Today's exciting. generation that will come into the business in the next couple of 10 or 20 years, they don't accept everything anymore. We need to be also very cognizant about that, right? They don't, uh, they don't, uh, they don't have the patience for a slow system or for something, right, that doesn't match the usability in the business of the of the Instagrams and the Facebooks and others. Uh, out there. And uh, for sure, that is clearly also something that businesses should take into account when thinking about their business applications as well and what they do for them to really solve them a problem and the way they experience that today from the consumer software. That's for me always a critical point when we design our our user experience. As I always tell my team, hey, let's don't design for the current users. I always want to design for my daughter who actually will use that maybe in 10 or 20 years. Very good point. Thank you very much. Phil Lowen, you get the final word back to the two of them. Go ahead. No, and uh, to, to just sum everything up, I mean, um, in, in the old days, everything was around uh, processes or, and around products. And, and we, we've seen that change of making um, product design, product uh, uh, framing become much more user-centric, become human-centric, and actually amplify the capabilities uh, that that people bring to the uh, to the table so and with this new environment that we're in of how we're working uh, um, working differentiated hours longer hours uh, uh, different time zones um, having a proper understanding of how do I balance my work life with my life life and how do I then frame up that how do we change the way we work how do we actually allow 
um, our work uh, style to be to be more like our lifestyle. That's um, that's sort of the thing that everybody needs to ask themselves. Thank you very much. I can't thank the three of you enough, but we have a couple of more gratitude statements before we close. So let's do a shout out to Lucas Escudo at SAP, sponsor of this series. He <clears throat> keeps a close eye on the topics, on the guests. You've outdone yourself on this one, Lucas. And Brian Duffy, president of Rise with SAP. David Robinson, thank you. I saw you on another show a couple months ago. Great to see you again. Philip Herzig, again, delighted to see you for the first time on Zoom. I just moved all my radio shows to Zoom, visual connection when the pandemic started last year. So everything was on the phone before. Never got to see anybody. Phil Lowen, when we did the prep call, you were in your car. You were a very brave soul doing a prep from a car. I think that's one of the first times I've ever had that. Thank you. Also, there are a couple more people to thank. Our engineer, Andrew, today at Voice America Radio. Thank you, Andrew. We have uh, two people who supported or support the appearance of Philip, and we have Sarah Burkle, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, and Melanie Bruins. Ladies, thank you very much for helping Philip Herzig clear his calendar to join us today. So I want to say I've learned a lot from all of you, and my closing words will be, vroom, let's get that intelligent enterprise humming under the hood, on the road, happy, safe, efficient, good travels, wishing the new year, a great new year for everybody in our listening audience, which is all over the world. Happy holidays to everyone. And let's just keep moving forward with great thought leadership for our audience. Everybody wave goodbye. Don't go away. We're going to stop the recording. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Ready, Set, Transform, presented by Rise with SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments using the hashtag RiseWithSAP. That's R-I-S-E-W-I-T-H-S-A-P. Or email bonnie.d.graham at voiceamerica.com. That's B-O-N-N-I-E dot D dot G-R-A-H-A-M at voiceamerica.com. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a great week. <laughs>